Welcome back to second episode of Cannabis Industry Mastermind. I'm here with Kristen McFarland. Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hello, I'm the CEO and founder of the Source Marketing Group, a cannabis and craft beer agency in Denver, Colorado. We specialize in top-the-line WordPress websites, email marketing that makes money while you sleep, and event marketing and management. And I'm also the creator of Market Like a Badass podcast empowering minorities and women in cannabis and craft beer to find their marketing superpowers and market like a badass. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah, why don't you tell us, for those of the people that might not know, what exactly is you know, marketing automation and email marketing for people that might not know? Yeah, email marketing is an elusive thing, right? You hear email blast and then, but it, people don't really understand the nuances of it. But Email marketing is one of the one of the top channels for ROI. It doesn't cost a lot of money and it's a great one-to-one -one communication with your audience. And so marketing email allows you to send personalized messages to your audience at scale. And again, that's what makes it such a powerful marketing channel in terms of revenue potential. And marketing automation is a way that you can streamline your business. Marketing automation can apply to really even broader than email. You can automate a lot of your tasks to automate or delegate your work, right? We're business owners. We want to make more money. And the way we do that is to automate or delegate. Marketing automation can be in the form of even like a Zapier connection, right? Or it could be an email marketing automation that welcomes subscribers to your program automatically. We have automations for email running for our clients and it allows them for an abandoned cart email that's automated to actually capture someone in a micro moment and recoup 30 to 40% of sales. Okay, so basically just automating repetitive tasks that would otherwise take you know, hundreds or thousands of hours Yep. If they were done by humans. Exactly. Okay. If you were lo looking for an automation provider or an email marketing provider, whether that's a consultant or an agency, what are some things to consider when picking a provider or what are some red flags to look out for? Yeah. From an agency or like a marketer side, right? If you want somebody to take over your email program, make sure that they have email experience. And the reason I say this is, I compare email to skiing, right? Like anybody can pick it up, but it's hard to master. And it's email is very technical. So you need somebody that's familiar with email, the technical backgrounds. They're familiar with infrastructure for email. And what I mean by that is it could be SPF, DKIM, basically the framework that allows your emails to pass spam filters and get into the inbox. So you want to look for people that have qualifications, have worked in email marketing, because yes, while there's a low barrier to entry with drag and drop modules, a lot of people are still doing email wrong. What are some red flags to look for if you're looking for a provider of no case studies or can't frame an end outcome? Like what are some red flags to look for? Yeah, still on the agency or the email service provider like a Clavio or MailChimp? Um, I would say agency. Yeah, some red flags for the agency. Listen, if they're sending all image-based emails all the time, basic things that go against best practices, that's going to be a red flag. All image-based emails, if they turn get turned off by default in an inbox, it looks horrible, right? There's nothing that you can see, so nobody's going to take action. And if you land in spam, 
Nobody's going to pull you to the primary inbox because there's nothing that they'll see in terms of a message. So be wary of people who have maybe they're building an all image newsletter in Canva and exporting it into your email provider. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. That would be one of my biggest red flags. And then also just someone who's not familiar with deliverability. Deliverability is really what lets you know whether or not you're going to land in the inbox or the spam folder, right? It's a perilous path to the inbox. You have spam filters and and with cannabis, we have spam words. So if you're working with somebody that's not familiar with that, you could do, you could have a lot of wasted effort and money in your campaigns if you're just hitting the spam folder. That makes sense. So 95% of the campaigns we take on are like total train wrecks. So what are some things that you're seeing besides deliverability and image-based issues, just not providing any revenue or um, are yeah. there any other things that you're seeing? I think because we still have a long ways to mature, right? We're as an industry in cannabis, right? We're the wild west and that's led over into marketing. And I'm seeing really bad things from heavy gifts in email outside of all image base, maybe not using alt text, which means your emails aren't accessible and you actually open your brand up for a lawsuit. And it's just like website accessibility, right? You have an audience, 60% of Americans have a disability. And if you're not building your emails around that and making it accessible, you're wasting a lot of time and you're probably overlooking a good portion of your audience. A lot of also rookie mistakes that I see is sometimes not setting up a dedicated sending domain. For example, if you're on an OmniSend or a Klaviyo, it'll add after your domain via ClaviyoMail.com or OmniSend.com. You're going to have worse deliverability. You want to connect it to your, your sending domain so you can actually warm up that domain and you have a better chance of landing in the inbox. And then speaking of domain, another tip is what I see people doing wrong is they, there's two things to this. They're, they have a bad opt-in process and they're using their primary domain for marketing and transactional emails, everything. So that means that people are marking you spam from your marketing emails. It's now impacting regular business emails, whether you're using Gmail, Outlook, whatever to send that through, that domain reputation is impacted. And on top of that, many people don't know that most of the time, if you're if you have a list of 100,000 or below, you're on a shared IP, which means you could be on the same IP as a porn sender. Right. Like you have to yeah. be aware of these things because those things can impact whether or not you make it in the inbox. And I think a lot of people totally overlook those things. And I think that's an, a really important piece of it all. Right. The infrastructure and What's actually going to help you make it in front of someone and then make that sell and convert? That makes sense. So what are some common misconceptions that you'd see around just email marketing or marketing automation in general, uh, specifically in cannabis or really any sector? Oh, you can't automate every part of your business. <laughs> There's still some work that you're going to have to do manually. I think there's some misconceptions of why can't we just automate everything? And then we leave our we leave our email program on autopilot. We make money, right? That would be a great concept. But you're always going to need the push and pull of email. You're going to push stuff out with your automations based off behavior or website engagement. And then you're going to pull people in with timely, relevant campaigns based on what's going on that quarter. So I think that's okay. a really, I think that's a big common misconception because people don't understand how they work together. And what would be like, I know there's 
some specific uh, cannabis or cannabis specific email providers and automation providers, like what would you say could be improved on some of these guys? Because I know there's plenty of other providers out there that are you no know, leagues ahead, mm -hmm. some of these guys. So what would you say could be improved on them? Wow. How much time do we have? <laughs> it's interesting in the cannabis space because there are things where you want to work with a certain cannabis company to be compliant or whatever that looks like, right? There is a use case. Okay. I need to work with somebody specifically that has this experience that's built for cannabis. But there are times when it doesn't have to be that way. I would say email marketing and automation is one of those things where you can leverage other platforms that are cannabis friendly, but they don't mm -hmm. have to be built around cannabis. And I say that because the tools I'm seeing in the market for like email marketing or even SMS loyalty programs that are built for cannabis, they're clunky. They're really not sophisticated. And even from a deliverability standpoint, right? Cannabis brands have more of a chance of landing in the spam folder just because of the nature of the business. Why would you not want to mm -hmm. go on a platform that has years of experience? Deliverability is a focus for them. And so they they look better. Those emails coming from Klaviyo are going to look better than what's coming from Alpine IQ, for example, because mm -hmm. Alpine IQ is a little bit more of the Wild West. They don't even have an opt-in process for email which is really dangerous. If you have European senders on your list, GDPR, that requires opt-in. And if you just automatically opt those people into your email and you send a campaign, you could face hefty fines. So I think it's really important to know what you're getting into and what platforms are available because there's loyalty platforms like Yopco. They're cannabis mm -hmm. friendly. You can't do the SMS yet, right? That's with a lot of people. But I would say, you know, make sure that when you're looking at these cannabis specific brands that it's really going to work for your needs because there's definitely other solutions out there. I agree. I assumed that they would be like really rudimentary or you no know, huge misses. Like what you said, you have to be compliant with European customers. But yeah, same thing that I'm seeing with menu providers, huge misses and they're Basically, some of them are using technology from 20 years ago, iframes. Imagine you go to a cell phone store and they hand you a flip phone and say it's the latest thing. Yeah, yeah that, kind of, that kind of solidified my assumption there. Yeah, it is. It's it, even the reporting capabilities. The cool thing about email marketing is the ability to tie that revenue back. But if you go in mm -hmm. a platform like SpringBig, just trying to get a report out of their system, it's like crashing left and right, throwing errors. It's clunky. It. I see more people investing in these platforms and then they don't get a lot out of it because it's not user friendly. It's clunky. There aren't visual flow builders. I think it it ends up hurting more people because they get stuck in a year-long contract. Yeah, that's that. I've never seen that with email. Not the ones, not the platforms that I've looked at specifically, but year-long yeah. contract with some crappy provider. Not good. Okay, so can you give me an example of, let's say you have traffic coming in from a website. What would what would a strategy look like just like a 30,000 foot view of a strategy that you might implement for like a cannabis retailer, for example. Yeah, easy peasy. You could build a lead magnet or a funnel really easy, right? You mm -hmm. have a pop up with a discount offer and enticing people to sign up for an exclusive one time offer. People do that all the time. But you can also if you have something else of value right at the top of the mm -hmm. funnel, you can have a landing page have them sign up for a special event, whatever that looks like to collect that website site traffic and get those emails. 
now once you've converted them, you set up an automation, you've welcomed them into the program, you've nurtured them, shared your brand stories, and now they're learning more about you as a brand. And then you have other calls to action to nurture and warm them up. And that's sometimes just the easiest way to think about a really simple marketing funnel. Landing page with form, mm -hmm. email marketing, and automation. And sometimes it's as simple as that to really convert the leads and start nurturing them from the website. And I think a lot of people overlook that, right? And especially if you're invested in customer acquisition, you want to collect that data. Sometimes just getting someone to convert right from search to direct to sell, it's a little harder. Mm -hmm. But if you warm them up because you've collected that piece of data, now you're building lifetime value, brand loyalty repeat business. And so email is a critical part of that retention marketing piece to get people from website visitor to evangelist. Okay. Yeah, pretty simple. Yeah, I see that on that miss on most of the sites we encounter. So just not collecting anything or their, oh, yeah. their email opt-in is like at the footer of their website and collects zero emails every single month. I see that all the time. And I've been trying to encourage someone in a retail location in New Mexico. It's like you're getting 50 to 100 people in your store every day and you're not asking them at the point of sale for their email with Dutch EPOS. It's right there. You yeah. just add the button, click, opt, in, opt them in. And data is so valuable, right? You and I talk on LinkedIn all the time and we talk about what's an asset, a business asset you can build to make your brand better positioned in the eyes of an investor. Data, right? If you have a 15,000 person email list of engaged subscribers, that's super valuable. You can make a lot of money. People are making affiliate revenue off of 3,000 person lists in cannabis, right? Find ways to build that email list because the power is in the list, right? And cannabis brands are sitting on so much data, right? You all could do so much really cool, like really cool, timely automations, right? Because there is so much data that we have, but we're just not connecting it to do the best, smartest marketing that we can. And we can get there. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So I've had conversations with my mentor and you know, about him selling a business and the database itself, like they they could opt out of having that in the sale. It's so valuable. Like it's an asset on its own. Yes. An email database of engaged contacts is can literally add value to your business when you're trying to sell it. Oh, I that's know a, multiple people with small yeah. businesses and 3,000, 5,000 person lists that have sold it and still made like $25,000 because data is powerful, right? Or I, some have made even more. I'm just giving small examples, yeah. right? This is like a brand new baby business. She sold it, turned around 25,000 for what, two years of data. Not bad. Just for the email list, instead of saying, I'm moving, I'm closing down my business. Hey, does somebody at least want this? And I can make money and monetize that because they're going to take over my business now and, and come in and at least grab the list. I think she sold to a competitor. So I, I don't know. There's just so much power. There really is in, in email data. And then the more you can integrate your systems too, like the more powerful it becomes. Because mm -hmm. right now the challenge with cannabis is there's a lot of disparate, unconnected data centers, right? You have iHeartJane or you have Dutchie over here and you need to connect to Clavio and you may have Alpine IQ for loyalty and SMS and you have your website. So the big thing is getting your data to connect and tell that story so you can better measure your marketing spend. Wild Gummies, they do a really good job at that kind of, I would say, data like data review and management to say, okay, 
let's try a new product and release it to these people. We can measure their feedback and we can collect this data and we can email them. And that way we're really seeing what our customers are saying and collecting feedback by email or whatever mm -hmm. that looks like so that then they can actually improve their own products. Yeah, I don't see, I see some brands just doing nothing with their data. That's super common. But yeah, it's, that's literally an asset that can add value to your business, just our organic website traffic yeah. and brand research. Those are one of the few things you can uh, value your business. And one tip I'll give is the one thing that cannabis brands can all get away with is sharing a link on social media to promote your email newsletter. They won't mm -hmm. kick you off for that. That's like the one post that you're going to be safe. Hey, sign up for my newsletter. Promote there to your audiences. And it's not just your website. You can collect emails at events. I think that's another big where I see people and I'm like, I go to events all the time in cannabis. I went to one the other day. There are 30 people in the room, not a single, per no check-in, no collecting of emails, no registration. So how do you know who was there? You know, you're investing money into this as the host. So why are yeah. you not collecting the email data so you can have a follow-up strategy so you can nurture those contacts, get people at your future events, turn those people into buyers. And so I think there's a lot of misses, even at events. And I think Native Roots in Denver, Colorado does a phenomenal job. I see them at every event. They're doing, we got a hundred dollar bong, sign up to win, sign up to win the glass piece. I see them with a line around the block because people, they want to win that. I've seen them at Pride Festival. Mm -hmm. I've seen them at all kinds of events and they always do a successful job with collecting data. And I, God, I knew the marketing director a few years ago, like maybe 2016, and they mm -hmm. had 15 to 20,000 on their list. They probably have 100,000 or more on their list at this point. Native Roots is going to be able to crush it because they're constantly list building and they're making mm -hmm. sure that they can nurture people and get them back buying those products. Yeah, no, that's a, another great point, especially even in B2B too. I personally know a lot of companies that are in B2B and that have tried that. And, and other companies that just try the old school thing where they just basically hand out swag and like cards or whatever. Mm -hmm. The people that just did that literally got zero contacts, zero sales, uh, zero appointments. And the people that were collecting email in exchange for something actually got sales, which is what's wild to believe. Yeah. 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 It's a huge miss. I think people underestimate, like today we have social media, we have SMS. I think people underestimate the power of email. It's still there, right? Every year there's an article, email's dead. It's never dead. It's only growing, especially like with the pandemic, we are more reliant mm -hmm. on it than ever. And that's how brands were able to stay in communication. When Meta went down for the day, email was still mm -hmm. working. So I think people have this confusion of, I had 10 people in my store ask for SMS. Cool. But people still want email, right? They still want that other touch point. And I will tell you from my, I mean, my own personal preferences, I have a higher propensity to unsubscribe from SMS, but I, I'll take emails all day long. And I, it takes me a long time to unsubscribe because I'm looking at the deals. Whereas yep. if you send me three text messages promoting in a week, done. It's, it, see, it's a little harder of a balance to strike. And really SMS and email and loyalty should be working together. It's a together thing. This is not one or the other. Yeah, I definitely agree. What about for 
specific email marketing or software providers that are not cannabis specific, but cannabis friendly. Who's your bread and butter that you normally go to? Who do you recommend? Let's say you're taking on a new campaign. Like who would you try to get them on and why? Yeah. So hands down, Clavio for B2C, right? If you're a retailer, mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend that platform because they're built around deliverability. They actually care about getting their clients in the inbox. And if you're a bad sender and you're just loading in purchase lists and you're trying to blast people, that's not the platform for you. They'll kick you off real fast, but it's a good thing. You don't want those people on a shared domain ruining mm-hmm. your sending reputation and impacting your campaigns. So I recommend Clavio all day, every day, because it is, it's such a powerful platform, but more than anything, it's a great user interface that anyone can learn, right? We've trained clients to be able to use this tool and that way they can run campaigns. If if they need help with more sophisticated automations, we can help them, but there's easy to build templates. And I think that's the best way to go if you're if you're B2C and that's going to be the best tool as you scale. Okay. Do you know any, or do you work with a lot of B2B companies? What about for B2B? Yeah, I would say there's a few. Delivera could work really well for B2B. Mm-hmm. I do have on sourcemarketinggroup.com, I do have a blog that outlines a lot of cannabis and CBD friendly platforms that we'd recommend. HubSpot mm-hmm. you could use. If and that's you could use that for really B2C or B2B. Deliver is a really good one. Active campaign, you have to be careful because I believe CBD is permitted, but cannabis content is not. So you have to look at my blog reference <laughs> to make sure I, I'm correct. But there are some nuances there. And even on Clavio, they're cannabis friendly with email, but still not cannabis friendly with their SMS offering. And that you're going to find that a lot of places. There's not a lot of people that want to risk that right now. And that's totally understandable. Okay. So Clavio for B2C and then deliver for B2B. Yep. Cool. Is there's also one more thing I'd like to cover. Can you explain the difference between like a demographic and segmentation in email specifically? Like, what do you, can you just explain that like a third grade level? Because I think that's really important, especially if you list first and third part or first and zero party data yep. that you're collecting from email. Yeah. And you can, so you can segment off of demographic mm-hmm. information, right? So is this, is this a male or female? What location are they in? Segmentation basically allows you to create segments of your audience so that you can send the most relevant personalized email campaigns as possible. So if you're thinking about segmentation strategy, right, you could say, I want to deliver this campaign. I want to test who has a better response to this messaging, men versus women. So you could do a gender segment. But segmentations go deep, right? You could say, I want to create a segment to suppress anyone who hasn't engaged with my email in the last 180 days because I don't want to send to those people. I'm going to run Mm -hmm. them through a separate win back campaign. So segmentation Mm -hmm. allows you to be personalized and relevant. And that's what you have to do for email. Please never use the word email blast again. It makes us email marketers cringe because you never just blast out the same message to everyone. Hello, anybody listening? Listen, if you try to talk to everyone, you'll talk to no one. And so you have to be really targeted. You could segment based off, are they a CBD? Do they buy CBD more or do they buy THC more? 
Because now, why send a bunch of THC promos to somebody that's only going to buy a CBD product? Or maybe you're opening up them up to THC in a unique and different campaign. But that's where segmentation strategy really comes into play. And it can give you feedback about your audience, your data. You can say, I want to create a segment of anyone that's engaged with me in the last 90 days. And that's those are your that's your hot list, right? Your hot leads, the people that are warm. That's how I would explain segmentation. Did I miss anything? No, I think you're pretty spot on. What is a winback campaign? Because you mentioned that just now. And for people that might not be familiar with that term, I'm just quickly yes. what that is. Yeah, mm. people have different thresholds. Some people may set it at 90 mm. or 180 days. But basically, you want to set a mark for when people go unengaged on your list. And then you want to send campaigns or trigger an automation that's a win back that can actually try to win those customers back. Because anybody, depending on the business, most of the time, if you have people that haven't engaged in 12 months, it's a dead list. So you want to try to win back those unengaged folks around that 180 day mark, 90 to 180 day mark. And that way they don't just basically become a dead list and either turn into a bounce or they unsubscribe, they complain and mark you as spam, right? Why keep these people on your list anyways? And I will just say one thing really quick is that's the importance of emailing your list regularly because if you haven't emailed your list in six or more months, you probably have a dead list. Mm. You're going to have to do all your work all over again, right? <laughs> you have yeah. to be nurturing your subscribers and be regular. And that also comes into play for deliverability. For example, I've gone into customers' accounts and I see they only send one time a year. It's around the holiday. And I'm like, what the hell? You know what inbox providers do? They look at that as spammy behavior. You know how spammers, they'll just send a heavy load of emails at once or have really like weird sending volume. That looks suspect to inbox providers like Yahoo, Microsoft, Gmail. You have a higher propensity of landing in the spam folder. So you have to, if you haven't sent in six months and you're ready to start sending some big campaigns, you probably have to rewarm your domain for four to six weeks before you even start sending those campaigns. Okay. So basically just re-engaging people mm -hmm. that are haven't engaged with for a while, make sure they haven't an engagement for too long. Okay. So pretty straightforward. We're getting ready to wrap this up. I usually like to finish this with just like other random questions. What are as far as cannabis consumption are like are you a regular user? What are your favorite consumption methods? I personally like rolling joints and rolling blunts. It's my favorite. What about you? Oh yeah, to the blunt rolling. I grew up on backwoods and <laughs> but now I'm more of a joint girl myself. I my girlfriend likes to do dabs, but holy shit, I can feel it in my chest. So I love of just combusting flour. That's what mm -hmm. I prefer. Yeah, dabs are too much. I can handle the, the THC percentage or whatever, but it's just they feel extremely harsh on my lungs, which is not good. I'm trying to be a little bit more health conscious, mm -hmm. but yeah, they do not feel nice on my lungs at all. Yeah. What are some of your favorite things to do while you're stoned? I personally like to just chill out and listen to music or even work out, go to a hike. And what about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I play music. So I play guitar, I play djembe. So you'll mm -hmm. see videos on Market Like a Badass on Instagram, my hippie self just jamming out. And <laughs> that's how I unwind. I'm a creative person. And so 
when I'm high, I'm just like ready to free flow. <laughs> and that's my jam, literally. Okay. I think we're pretty much done here. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Kristen, for your time. Yes. Thank you.